So, what's going on? Oh, whoa, we got the Goodyear. <laughs> that is amazing. That, this is the, okay, is the live feed catching this? Uh, this is how great the game on is right now. We have the Goodyear blimp here today. Uh, that is amazing. So, <laughs> are you just going to leave that there? Good deal. All right. Well, if you brought a Bible, and I hope you did, let's open them together, okay? We are going to be in 2 Corinthians chapter 5. 2 Corinthians chapter 5. Uh, if you don't know me, my name is Rusty. I am the senior pastor here, and I am so glad to be hanging out with you guys today for a new series that we're calling Game On. And it is all about just stopping, just don't just watch life happen, but instead, let's get in the game and see what God is doing. And we want to be a part of the work that God is doing. And if that's important to you, then I'm glad you're here today. If that's not important to you, I'm glad you're here today, because I'm hoping by the end of this message that you will see what God is doing and that he wants you to be a part of his mission and his work. So uh, it's baseball day, batter up is the name of the message, and I'm wearing an Astros jersey because that's representative of the team most of our church cheers for, right? No, okay, apparently that got that memo wrong, but uh, we, we're wearing baseball jerseys today. Next week, if you want to join us in this, you can be wearing a basketball shirt, a basketball jersey, represent your favorite a basketball team, we're going to have a good time. But I tell you what, uh, we may wear cool shirts and do different things like this and have a good year blimp, but at the end of the day, we're very serious about the Word of God. And we're so thankful that God has communicated to us through His Word and we get to open it together. So that's what I'm most excited about. But I want to talk for just a second about why I love baseball, why baseball is something that I'm, I'm really passionate about and that I enjoy. I love baseball because baseball is all about the fresh start. The fresh start. About 70, the best hitters in baseball, I mean the best that are out there, fail about 70% of the time. Think about that. The very best hitters in baseball fail about 70% of the time. I don't like to fail even once. Uh, because even if I fail one time, to me, it gets in my head. And for me, one strikeout ends up becoming three or four strikeouts because it's in my head. But the best hitters in the world know that on the way back to the dugout, their next at-bat is starting, and the count is 0-0. I think about pitchers. If you watch the playoffs this year, man, pitching in some very high-stress situations, pitching one pitch at a time and getting ready to throw the ball, and then you get a home run hit off of you, and then you got to get a new baseball and keep pitching. Think about the stress of that, the reality that they have to have a fresh start after those interactions. At the same time, you may be thinking, I'm not that big a fan of sports. I'm not all about the uh, baseball and the sports. In fact, it's kind of annoying that you're doing a sports theme today. That may be you today, but let me just tell you this. Whether you're a fan of baseball like me or not, the reality is you probably have experienced at some point in your life the need for a fresh start. If you are on social media and you follow baseball teams, you'll see that all of the baseball teams almost immediately after the World Series started declaring things like uh, season starts today, 2019 starts today, hope springs eternal for baseball teams as soon as the World Series is over and a new season starts. Perhaps you find yourself today here and you think, man, I need a new season in my life. I need God to do something new and something fresh. I need something to happen in my life. Can I tell you the good news is our God is all about the fresh start. We serve a God who is all about 
the fresh start. And we're going to see here in this text, whether you're a Christ follower today or if you are here for the first time and and you're just checking this whole church thing out, you're going to see that Jesus Christ stands ready to help you start again, to, to help you become brand new and to give you new life and a new mission. So let's get to this text and we're going to see what God has to say to us today. Second Corinthians, starting in chapter 5, verse 16. The word of God says this. So from now on, we regard no one from a worldly point of view. Though we once regarded Christ in this way, we do so no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come, the old has gone, the new is here. All this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation, that God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting people's sins against them, as he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors, as though God were making his appeal through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. God made him who had no sin to be sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Will you pray with me? Lord Jesus, we come to your word now asking you to do what only you can do in this time. God, we thank you that you are the God of the fresh start. Lord, that you are here and that you desire to use us and to help us get in the game. Lord, I pray that you would Help us to have a Holy Spirit-enabled focus upon your word. Lord, I pray that you would guard my thoughts and the words that I say so that I will say your truth and speak your truth with boldness today. And God, that we will know at the end of the day that, that this isn't a creative series or a creative preacher or a creative church, but Lord, this is a church that sees your vision and is running after your heart. God, help us get in the game. We don't want to just watch life pass by. We want to be serious about the work you've called us to. So Lord... Help us in that today. It's in your name we pray, Jesus. Amen. Well, we kind of jumped into a letter that Paul is writing to the church in Corinth. And Corinth was a church and a group of people that are not unlike you and me. Uh, This is a church that had some highs and had some lows. There were some days where they were doing what God wanted them to do and some good things were happening. There were also some miserable failures. If you read 1 Corinthians, you'll see some of the trials and difficulties that they walked through. But through all of that, the one constant in their lives was the gospel of Jesus Christ. Now, I want to stop for just a minute and talk about what this gospel is. We use the word gospel a lot. If you've been here the last four or five weeks, we've talked a lot about the gospel. The gospel is simply a word that means good news. And what Paul's going to do in this section of scripture that we just read is basically lay out the good news for us. What is this good news? What is this gospel? And why does it matter to us? Why is it important to us as the people of God? And even if you're not a Christ follower, why is it important for you? Why do you need to hear and understand what this gospel is? So he starts off in verse 16 with an important thing for all of us that we need to kind of grasp today. And here's what he says. From now on, we regard no one from a worldly point of view. Here's what that means. We don't measure the same way that the world measure things. We don't measure things the way the rest of the world does. God has a different standard than the world does. Aren't you glad for that today? Because the world tends to kind of look at people and size us up and immediately analyze and think, what can I get out of that person? 
But God isn't looking at us and sizing us up by any standards other than His standard. That should encourage you today because we tend, again, to kind of look at people for how talented they are, what they can offer, the best and the brightest, the most powerful. But God isn't looking at any of those things. Instead, God is looking at our hearts. And if you have a heart surrendered to Him, then you are the man or woman that God is looking for this morning. Isn't that good news? But while that is good news, we also need to kind of pause and check our hearts for a second this morning. Because the reality is, many of us, especially if you're like me, if you grew up in the church and have a church background, even if you don't, if you've just been in the church for a little while, we very quickly realize and learn how to fake it, don't we? How to make it appear that we got all of our stuff together. We come to church, say the right things, do the right things, show up at the right places, check all the right boxes, and we feel like we have done well, and we feel good about where we're at in our lives at that point. But the reality of this text and the reality of the truth that God knows our hearts means that we can't fake it with God. We can't fake it with God. Some of you may remember that text in the Old Testament, 1 Samuel chapter 15. The prophet Samuel has gone out to find the new king. And he is there and he begins to look at this big family with just a ton of kids, a ton of boys. And he looks at this one and he says... Man, that's a big strapping dude who looks like he's got some battle scars. Surely he can lead my people, God's people. And Samuel goes, this must be the king. God says, no, not him. And he sees another one and goes, well, okay, well, this one's good too. He looks like he's got some age and experience on him. He ought to be the one. This is going to be great. And God says, no, not him. And then God tells Samuel this. He says, man looks at the outward appearance, but God looks at the heart. God isn't looking at the outside, he's not looking at the superficial, he's not looking at all these things, but God is looking at our hearts today. So that encourages us, but it should also cause us to stop for a second, because the truth is you can fool your mom, you can fool your grandma, you can fool your pastor, but at the end of the day, you can't fool an almighty God who knows us and created us. Do you really have a heart that's surrendered to Jesus today? Don't mishear that question. Listen close. I didn't ask if you're a good person. I didn't ask if you come to church regularly. I didn't ask if you're trying to keep all the commandments. No, the question is this. Do you have a heart that is surrendered to Jesus today? Do you have a heart that's surrendered to Jesus? How do you know? Well, verse 17 says this. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come... The old has gone, the new is here. We're talking about becoming a new creation. This is powerful language, but at the same time, this is extremely, extremely crazy language, isn't it? He says the old you dies and you are literally recreated. This isn't about following Christ so that you can become the best possible you you can be. This isn't a call to follow Jesus so you can have a new and improved you. No, the old you dies and you are literally recreated. Brand spanking new. Talk about a fresh start, right? So how does this happen? How are we recreated? How does Jesus make us new? Verses 18 and 19 here are going to tell us that Jesus has reconciled us. Now we don't use the word reconcile very often. But it basically just means to make things right with someone. You may think, well, why do I need to be reconciled to God? Me and God are cool. 
There, there's nothing as far as I know. I'm a good dude. I've, I've done everything I need to do. So why do I need to be reconciled to God? What the Word of God is going to tell us is that God created everything and that God created everything for the purpose of worshiping Him, glorifying Him, and enjoying Him forever. We were created to worship the Lord and enjoy His presence for all of eternity. That's why God created us, for His glory, to glorify Him and enjoy His presence forever. A holy and perfect God created a holy and perfect people so that they could have eternal fellowship and glorify Him and worship Him and enjoy Him forever. But we know what happened. In Genesis 3, the fall of man occurs. The first humans that walked on the planet that God created bought into the enemy's lie that there was something better than what God had laid out for them. God said, you can eat of any of the fruit of any of these trees, but don't eat that one. And yet the enemy came and they bought into the deception that there's something better than God's best for their lives. And because of their sin, their decision to do against what God had asked them to do, that perfect relationship with a perfect and holy God was fractured. The Bible tells us that Adam's sin becomes our sin. See, you and I were also created by a perfect and holy God. He created us to worship Him and enjoy Him forever. That is your life's purpose as God's creation. Yet just like Adam and Eve, we too have sinned. We too have bought into the enemy's lie that there is something better than God's best for us. And the Bible says that every single one of us have bought into that lie and chased things that are not God's plan for us. Romans 3.23 says it this way, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Every single one of us without exception. And there's a great consequence to this. You see, A just, holy, righteous, and perfect God cannot tolerate sin in His presence. So this perfect and holy relationship that we have with God has been fractured. And now we don't have this relationship with God. You read throughout the Old Testament, you see the people of God desperately trying to make themselves right with Him. They go and they perform the sacrifices and their sins are atoned for and they start over. And then they're headed back home and a camel cuts them off and they go, beep, what are you doing? Now they're sinners again. Till the next time they can go and make a sacrifice. And we see the people of God desperately trying to make themselves right with Him. But we cannot do this on our own. Some of you might be thinking, wait a second, Rusty, didn't you say that the gospel is good news? Because all you've been talking about is negative things so far. But Crossroad and guests who are here with us today, this is where the gospel becomes good news. Romans 6.23 says that the wages of sin, the payment for our sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus our Lord. This perfect and holy, this just and righteous God loved you and me enough, even though we were enemies of Him, even though we rebelled against Him and sinned against Him, He loved us enough that He sent Jesus to reconcile us, to make us right with Him so that we could have that perfect and holy relationship with God restored. How does Jesus make us right? Verse 21. This is some shouting material if there's ever been some in this message today. One of the best verses in all of Scripture is right here in verse 21. It says, God made Jesus, who had no sin, 
to be sin for us so that in Jesus we might become the righteousness of God. This is how we're reconciled. This is how we are made right with God. Jesus recreates us. He makes us a new creation. God loved us enough that he sent Jesus to walk on this earth. Jesus came and he lived his entire life and never sinned. Never did anything against the will of his father. He always did exactly what God wanted him to do. Yet he was hung on a cross. And the Bible tells us that when he hung on the cross, we sang about it earlier, that the wrath of God, the punishment that you and I deserve because of our sin, was literally dumped out upon Jesus as he hung on that cross. And as he hung on the cross, he took the sin of the world upon his shoulders and he took that sin with him to the grave. But as we sing at Easter the old hymn, Up from the grave he arose. Death couldn't hold our Savior. And as he stands in victory, again as we sang in that wonderful hymn earlier, Jesus rose victorious over sin and death and he has paid for our sins. But don't miss what this verse says. It's an incredible truth. We always talk about Jesus paying for our sins. And hey, do you need that today? Yes and amen, right? We need Jesus to cover our sins and praise God that his work on the cross covers our sins. But this is insane what we see here. Not only did he pay for our sins, but the Bible says that his righteousness is given to us. Not only are our sins paid for, but we become righteous. Not just good people, but this text says we become the righteousness of God. It's not like our, our slate is wiped clean and we're starting over and it gets messy again. Then we got to make it clean again. Then it gets messy again and we got to make it. No, we are once and for all because of the cross of Jesus Christ forgiven of our sins and righteous before God. That is something to get excited about, church. This is more than a fresh start. This is like Jesus turning off the scoreboard and saying, game over. The victory is yours because of what I've done for you. Through Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection, our sins are forgiven and we are made righteous before a holy and just God. That relationship with Him is restored and life is completely changed for those who are in Christ. This is the gospel. And this is something that ought to move in our hearts as we read and think and consider these things. This is the good news that Jesus has brought to the world. I'm excited about it, and I hope you are too. I had to stop at the first service too. I was like, out of breath. I got too excited. A sermon that involves athletics. I'm showing you how athletic I am. Preach for five minutes. I'm like, all right, we're going to take a water break. Pastor Lathaniel, sing a song for me. No. But, But let me ask you a question real quick. Does this good news still move your heart? Does this good news still stir something up within you? Does this good news still cause you to rejoice? First family, it should. This gospel is the reason we get up in the morning. This gospel is the reason we go to a job that's frustrating. This gospel is why we try to raise our kids even on the difficult days. This gospel is why even when it's cold outside, we want to come and we want to worship. This gospel is what makes us have a living hope. We just got done preaching about that for about a month. 
This gospel gives us an inexpressible joy and a desire to be his people and to surrender our lives to him. Through this gospel, you can have a real relationship with a living Savior today. So what are we to do from here? What does this look like in our lives? There are two things that we need to learn about Jesus and his gospel through this passage. And let's be honest, they are absolutely foundational to everything else. You are here on a fantastic day. Not only are we starting this new series together, but at the same time, This message is truly foundational for everything we're going to talk about as long as the Lord lets me be your pastor. This is what the foundation is for us. Jesus and his gospel have given us these things. The first thing, it's given us new life. New life. In a group of people this size, there are certainly people in here who do not have a real relationship with Jesus. Perhaps today you've been thinking, as we've gone through the word of God, as we've talked about his gospel, you've thought to yourself, man, I need this recreation. I need this. If that's you, let me just do what Paul does here in the text. Let me implore you today to be reconciled to God. You don't have to go through life broken and hurting. You don't have to go through life alone. The God who created you to worship Him and enjoy Him forever, wants to save you today. You can be reconciled through the work of Jesus Christ on the cross. But the truth is, many of us, especially in the American church culture that we have, tend to think of, am I a Christian based on how good we are? How good I'm doing? Can I just tell you something? You cannot be good enough to earn your salvation. It doesn't matter how often you come to church. It doesn't matter how much you give. Please keep coming to church. Please keep giving. Clarify. But all of those things don't save us. And if you're depending on that to save you, the, the terrifying reality is that one day we'll stand before God and there will be people who will say, God, I did so many good things. He'll say, depart from me, I never knew you. Because it's not about us, it's about the work of Christ on the cross. You can't reconcile yourself. Let me illustrate that in a really goofy way. How many of you like ice cream? Yeah, see that's like a public speaker thing where like everyone's going to basically be in the affirmative on that. Like, hey, let me buy some rapport. Who likes ice cream? I love ice cream though. Like it's another level, okay? Like some of you may like ice cream. I love ice cream. Now you laughed when I told you that I was an athlete. Nobody laughed when I said I love ice cream. Just <laughs> for the record, just to point that out. Yeah, that, that checks out. <laughs> he definitely likes ice cream. Especially if we get some bluebell. Somebody go south enough to get some bluebell and bring it back up here. Praise Jesus. If you don't know what I'm talking about, this message is for you, okay? I'm kidding. So imagine if I had, you know, a a big old scoop of bluebell ice cream on an ice cream cone and I'm just getting ready to take a bite out of that thing. And imagine at that moment that Pastor Bob came up here and slapped it out of my hand and it landed on the floor. Number one, you need to understand that I'm not far enough along in my sanctification. Uh, At that moment, I'd be like, brother, go pack your things. Get out of here. All right. That is like an egregious offense to take my ice cream out. No, but, but let's say, how can Pastor Bob reconcile to me in that moment? 
What if in that moment he said, man, I've really messed up here. I recognize that. Rusty, I prayed about it. That was wrong for me to do that to you. So here's what I'm going to do. And he picked up that ice cream cone, grabbed the scoops that had fallen and scattered around, put them back on that cone. There's probably some dirt. There's some glitter up here still from trunk or treat all over it. So he goes, I need to kind of clean it up. So he kind of starts like rubbing it off with his hand. Some of it's not coming up. So you've got to spit shine it a little bit to really make it look good. It lost its form as it hit the ground. So he's going to kind of pick it up and shape it back into a ball, into a scoop and puts it on there. And he hands me that ice cream cone. Is that going to make us right? No. The only thing he can do to make it right is to bring me a brand new ice cream cone. Now, as absurd as that illustration is, church, let me just tell you something. We look equally ridiculous before the Lord when we try to clean our own lives up. In desperation, we try to go to church more. We we try harder. We try to make ourselves right. We try to clean up our own lives. We come to church. We try to raise good kids. But all of those things are like trying to clean up a dirty ice cream cone. In fact, the Bible says it this way in Isaiah, that our very best deeds, our most righteous deeds, are as filthy rags before the Lord. The very things that you would hang your spiritual hat on. When we get to stand before the Lord, if you were to slide your spiritual resume across the table, you'd be like, uh, you'll notice that I led a life group. Hey, uh, I, I worked I worked with kids. It's got to be worth something. The very thing you would hang your hat on, the Bible says, is as if filthy rags compared to the righteousness of God. You cannot clean your own life The only thing you can do is let Jesus recreate you. The good news of the gospel is that you don't have to clean your own life up. But Jesus invites you to come and be reconciled, to receive new life. Today, the call is to stop trying to fix your life and instead let Jesus completely recreate you and give you new life. If you don't have a relationship with Jesus today, can I just tell you something? I've been praying for you all week. We've been praying that you would come to know the Lord, that today would be the day of salvation. The Bible says, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. All you have to do is come to the realization that I need Jesus. I'm going to stop trying to clean up my own life. I'm going to stop trying to do it on my own. I'm going to let Jesus recreate me today. And if we come to him and we say, Lord, I need you. Be my Savior, be my Lord. In that moment, the Bible says that your sins are forgiven and you have become the righteousness of God. This is incredible. If that's you today, when our service is over, our deacons and ministry staff will be over here and they would love to talk to you about what it means to follow Jesus. I pray, just like Paul, let me just again implore you, Be reconciled to God. This salvation is available today. There's another part of this that that is a huge challenge for us. Because for many of you, this is the finish line. Some of you have been thinking today, well, he's doing a salvation message. Some of you have even been like, well, I really wish so-and-so was here to hear this. You're laughing. You told on yourself, all right? But can I tell you, this same gospel that saves you is the gospel that should be transforming you day in and day out. This message is for everybody. For everybody. 
You need to hear something. Not only does this gospel of Jesus Christ give us new life, but it gives us a new mission. It gives us a new mission. We tend to see salvation as the finish line, but you need to understand something. Salvation is the starting line of the Christian life. The race has just begun, and we are running together into what he has for us. That's what the gospel does. So we're not only saved and given new life, but we are given a new mission. We're not just reconciled, but we are called to be reconcilers. What does this mean? Just as Paul did in verse 20, we're called to implore people on behalf of God to be reconciled, to share the good news of the gospel. The word Paul uses here is so cool. He says that we are ambassadors of Christ. Ambassadors of Christ. If Jesus is your king, then you are his ambassador. Congratulations, every single one of you have been given a job title. You are Christ's ambassador. To wherever you are and wherever you go and whatever you do, you are there on behalf of God. This is a life-changing way to think about this, Crossroad. That we become his ambassador at work, at home, here at church, in our life group, at the grocery store, at the restaurant you're going to go to in a little while. Wherever you go, wherever you are, whatever you're doing, you are an ambassador for Christ. Who's been given a completely new mission. An ambassador is obviously someone who goes on behalf of and speaks on behalf of and lives on behalf of a company or a nation. Our country has ambassadors all around the world, right? Who are in different locations and they speak on behalf of our country and our president. They don't speak for themselves. They speak for the country that they represent. I got to ask you a question. Are you living with Jesus as your king in such a way that you've become his ambassador? We're ambassadors for King Jesus. And here's the mission he's given us. Reach, teach, live, and love like Jesus. Our call is to reach, teach, live, and love like he does. Our entire lives should be about this mission. Next week, we're going to talk more about what this new mission is and how it should impact our lives and and what we should be doing on a daily basis. But this is a great place to start. His mission comes from his word. If you want to know what God's calling you to do, it starts in his word. Again, you know, we've been talking about, I wonder what, you know, what is our uh, new vision and direction going to be as a church? We have a new senior pastor. What are we going to be doing, Rusty? What's God going to be calling us to do? And, And let me just tell you, we're praying and asking God, what do you want us to do? But can I tell you, there's a whole bunch that he's already called us to do that we need to be doing. I love it when people are like, you know, I'm just waiting for the Lord to reveal what he wants me to do. I'm like, well, what about all the things you know he wants you to do? You can start reaching people for Christ right now. You can start teaching people what it means to follow Christ right now. You can start living and loving like Jesus right now. You don't need a special invitation. You don't need a special sermon series. You don't need some still small voice. We have the word of God that has loudly and clearly called us to be a people of a new mission. And it's time for us to start living for him and living for that mission. Are you living for the new mission today? I want to just invite you to make this a priority. Gathering together with the people of God on Sundays as we open his word. Because we are literally receiving his mission. He is molding and shaping us together as the people of God. And as he is doing that, we're being mobilized to go out and reach, teach, live and love like him. That's what we're doing when we gather here on Sundays.
But not just corporately are you personally digging into the Word of God. Friends, God has a mission for you. If you have been saved, you have been saved not only from an eternity in hell, but you have been saved to a new mission. But for many of us, we've been sitting on the bench way too long. We've been maybe even in the bleachers. You may not even be on the bench yet. And we're waiting for something. Can I tell you, today is an opportunity for a fresh start. Today is a call for us to stop watching and start playing. And let's see what God can do with the people fully surrendered to Him with new life and a new mission. You bow your heads and close your eyes today. I don't know where everybody's at today. I, I do know that there are probably many people here who would just say, I need a fresh start. Maybe today you need new life. That's you. I want to encourage you to come talk to someone. Don't leave today without having that settled. Let today be the day of salvation. But there are also many of you who probably would say, Rusty, I know Jesus, but life has a way of sneaking up on you. and, And my eye has gotten off the ball at some point and I'm not living for the mission like I need to be. If you're here and and you think, I need a fresh start today, whether that's new life or whether that's just a renewed call to live for the mission, I want to ask you to do something with all of our heads bowed and eyes closed. If that's you, if you need a fresh start today, you just raise your hand and put it right back down after you raise it. Say, I need a fresh start. Lord Jesus, I thank you for the hands that are lifted around this room. Lord, I... Thank you for the hearts that were lifted. Even if someone didn't want to raise a hand, Lord, that that you're moving in their hearts. And I pray, God, that today would be a fresh start for our church family as a whole. God, that we would just come and say, we surrender our lives. We surrender this church to you. Lord, what do you want to do with us? We're tired of just watching life pass us by, Lord. We're ready to get in the game and be your people. Lord, I pray that you would have your way as we respond to your word. God, thank you for this gospel that saves us and gives us life. And I pray, Lord, that we would walk in that life today. 